Welcome to another episode of Between Lewis and Lovecraft. Thank you so much for checking us out. This show is all about learning more about the authors that have inspired us and diving into the stories that they not only created, but lived as well. So join us as we explore the worlds that live just out of reach. Man, do we go ham on MR James today, Google gang. We compare the 19th century author to the academic pursuits of C.S. Lewis, despite James's hatred for books and education. And we compare his sexuality to that of H.P. Lovecraft and really dive deep into his hatred of women. Why do we talk so much about a dirtbag like this? Well, he happens to be the most prominent ghost story writer of almost of all time. But not, not, I'm not going to give him that much credit, but he's pretty high up there. And he is most famous for writing new ghost stories every Christmas. And not all monsters are without a little joy in their life, right? Obviously, the Grinch, the Scrooge, all the bah humbugs. So come along as we discover that M.R. James is just another, well, nah, he really was a monster with no joy. So, yeah, that's fun. Welcome back to Between Lewis and Lovecraft. I'm Tyler Clausen. Joined with me, as always, is Anna Ray Lambert. And this will be the most boring and monotonous hour you have ever spent in my presence. You're way too good at that. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. I, I think I have a backup career for you if yeah. this doesn't work out. NPR, I am happy to stop being an electrician and become a radio voice guy. I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah? Awesome. Yeah. Not as much as you enjoy talking about books, though. I love... Well, they can hire us to for talk NPR. about books. Yes! I'm not going to change my voice, though. I will gladly change my voice if it gets us, us that contract. <laughs> NPR, call me up. Sell out. Lewis and Lovecraft at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Between Lewis and Lovecraft. I am Tyler Clausen and I'm not boring. Or at least I try very hard not to be boring. I don't think anyone would call you boring. I am Hannah Ray Lambert. You're also not boring. boring. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I, I was I'm, you were waiting for that. Like, yeah. please, please, Tyler. Tyler, <laughs> affirm my personality. Okay, so we are, now that all the excitement is, is through, we're going to go talk about someone super boring. Well, no, he's, he's not boring, but I do hate him. Yeah. Like, viscerally. Spoiler, spoiler, neither of us like this guy. But it was Tyler's uh, author suggestion. Definitely. And I definitely learned a lot. So I noticed real quick, I noticed that all of the suggestions other than Gillian Flynn, Gillian Flynn. Yes. Gillian Flynn. Gillian. Gillian? I'm coming in hot in the new year with the yeah. um, author suggestion. You need to take you need to be more vocal and be like, nah, Tyler, no, we're Tyler, doing this. We're not doing same. another old white dude who I hate. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. Lovecraft, no old white guy. Lewis, Lewis old, old white, white guy. guy. MR James, this guy's old. He's older than Lewis. He lived a long time yeah. and was born in the eighteen hundreds. And it's really hard not to make a lot of um comparisons between him and Lewis at least when I was reading about him he's not as much of it or Lewis is not as much of an asshole as <laughs> this guy is <laughs> I agree I think that there's huge differences I am in no way saying that they are the same at all but just in 
like their their love for learning and their being in the um, academic world and all that. Yeah, definitely. And like, you know, their fields of study that they got so committed to. Yeah. 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 Have we said the name of who we're talking about yet? I said it once. M.R. M.R. James. James. Yeah. In the fake intro. M.R. James. Wow. That wasn't M.P.R. at all. That was more like movie title. (laughs) This week, M.R. James is going to hold back women's rights and write scary stories that have no moral discernment to them at all. I'm making up words. Okay. Who's M.R. James, Hannah? Well... His full name is Montague Rhodes James, which is like such a pretentious name. Why would you not use that as your pen name? I don't, because uh, it That's was a Montague James. Montague Rhodes it's James. super cool. That's like, you should, he should have been like Montague RJ should have been his pen name. RJ. <laughs> That's what I would have, would have gone with. Montague RJ. And then everyone would be like, whoa, you can make your last name part of the pen name. That's cool. <laughs> that would, he, he didn't sell himself well enough. No, he did Obviously. Not. Yeah. We're he, only talking about him a hundred years later. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he was actually more than a hundred because he was born August 1st, 1862 in a clergy house in Kent, England. What's a clergy house? Uh, somewhere where the clergy goes to clergy around to go clergy around his father was an evangelical <laughs> anglican clergyman so a member of the clergy yeah. he's a religious type man and his mother mary emily was the daughter of a naval officer he also had two older brothers and an older sister um, and when he was three the family moved to rural suffolk uh, a landscape which appears time and time again in his story so he's one of those authors who is very influenced by the natural the area world around he was in. Yeah. And he kind of describes it like varyingly. Sometimes it's a really nice, beautiful landscape and other times it's like oppressive and like nothing good can ever happen there and very like ominous, mm. I guess. Yeah. Very teenage emo-y. Very emo. Mom, dad, this place <laughs> sucks. <laughs> it doesn't understand me. You don't understand. <laughs> There's ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> But um, obviously, he grew up in an, in an environment where he was immersed in religion because of his dad sure. um, and his upbringing. And he kind of reflected on that later um, in a sermon in 1933. He recalled being terrified as a child of visions, quote unquote. So he said that there was a time in his childhood when he thought that one night when he was laying in bed, he would be awoken by the great sound of a trumpet and basically yanked up in front of a judge. Um, who would ask him questions um, and whether he had done the right thing or not, he would either be taken someplace on the right hand or the left. So basically like judgment day type yeah, night terrors. That's very biblical. Very and, biblical. And, and I don't, imagery. As a five-year-old, I probably wasn't having those nightmares. I don't think so. I kind of feel bad for this dude. Um, Were you I'm having tr- those I'm nightmares? Trying to, I'm trying to tap into five-year-old Tyler. Hold on. Five-year-old Tyler, candy, um, <laughs> video games, playing outside. I'm a ninja. I'm a ninja. Were there nope, angels there? <laughs> I never had dreams about being judged by the Lord Almighty. <laughs> nope. Was not part of my dreams at five years old. Yeah, I think those... Uh... What's that? You weren't <laughs> I was not raised Catholic. He wasn't raised necessarily Catholic, though. No. He was Angelican, right? Uh, evangelical Anglican. Anglican. So, like, a combination I, of... And, and did I just say Angelican? I'm pretty sure that's a rug rat. But... <laughs> Angelican. 
<laughs> a combination of two strictish religions. Yeah. Evangel I was raised evangelical free. Yeah. Um so no, not even close to what he had. Well, yeah, plus 1800s um religion is probably Definitely. a lot more and intense. And I'm in America <laughs> and he's in England, so Yeah. Me and him definitely have nothing in common. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so obviously that was a huge part of his his upbringing and you can see it in the themes of what he writes about later on that oh, the, yeah. kind of the that back of his mind worry about judgment and yeah. retribution at the end of his life. Sure. That was on his mind. Yeah. Um, so moving into early schooling at 11 years old, his dad enrolled him in Temple Grove School, which was known as the oldest private school in England. Um, he, he ended up switching schools several times, but he did amazing in academic terms. Like mm-hmm. which a lot of the authors we've talked about did not do well in school, even if they were pretty smart. This guy did <laughs> even not have if that the problem. Authors are smart. I yeah. think most authors are smart. Okay, yeah, most authors are smart, <laughs> even if they were like you know good at the subjects they didn't necessarily perform well because they were off riding around in cemeteries sure. or just or writing their creating own creating their own yeah. world because this world's not fun enough yeah but mr james was not like that he did great in school he won just about every academic and professional accolade for which he was eligible according to the dude who wrote the uh, the preface for the collection of yeah, let's, stories. Uh, let's stop yeah. real quick and say where we were reading all of our stuff. Yeah, all of our stuff came from the M.R. James Collected Ghost Stories um, with an introduction and notes by Daryl Jones. Daryl Jones. So he's one of the, the biographers. Um, he also takes from pre- other biographies. Right, um, right. So this, the book that we're getting a lot of, because I did read the intro as well, um, I just didn't take notes. So I took a lot yeah, of notes. because... <laughs> That's how we roll here at BNL, BLNL. I, that was hard for me to say. Um, BLLP. I read it and absorb what I can and just regurgitate it as Hannah takes all the notes and spits it back at me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. When he was five. Um, <laughs> I'm uncomfortable with regurgitation and spits back <laughs> being so close together in that sentence. Guys, I, I'm a writer. I got to create a moment of feeling. Ew very visual feeling (laughs) but yeah so that's um kind of where we're getting most of the information i also got some from like um articles mostly in like the guardian and the independent uk yeah um, about mr james because he's english so he's a bfd over there yeah and he is and and i and i can understand why um we're about to get into some of the some of the stuff of, of why we're not his fans but he is still uh, a very competent writer you know he does still have um oh, that was a fun that song. was really i yeah. was wondering if it was coming from us <laughs> <laughs> um we are in a bookstore oh we didn't talk about that oh my hold gosh on, hold on let me finish this thought and then we can get into that <laughs> okay. and then we can get back to on track let's just do the bookstore at the end <laughs> yeah uh, yeah let's do that um but yeah he is a very competent writer and he he knows what he's doing um and and there's a reason why we're talking about him um so yeah i just wanted to point that out as much as we don't like him as a person he is still a bfd is what you said yeah (laughs) he's legendary (laughs) in in his genre yeah um but yeah so he went on to cambridge because that's where all the smart english people go i guess (laughs) back then (laughs) um and i mean he was pretty much immediately a notable academic Um, Some people point to the fact that he cataloged almost the entire collection of medieval manuscripts at Cambridge. Right. Um, And uh, he went on to be 
provost yes that's that's the title provost yeah at uh king's college there um so he was just uh, cambridge was a huge part of his life basically yeah yeah um but despite being such a successful academic he did oppose and attempted to block most progressive legislation and modern thinkers that he encountered so as a student at king's even before he was provost he objected to the proposed appointment of th huxley who was an evolutionary biologist right known as darwin's bulldog so basically he was like a staunch supporter of darwin's um, sure. theory of evolution james didn't like him and then in 1897 the issue of awarding degrees to women came up and it would have allowed women to have full university membership yeah. and james was like nah nope. nah he was one of 14 academics who were charged with producing a report on that topic and he basically tried to stop it at he, every, every stage. single thing he was like no he's not like i'm no. not going to sign any of these forms yeah um so consequently women wouldn't actually be awarded cambridge uh degrees until 1948 so after he died Oh, yeah, because he died in, like, 36? 36, yeah. Yeah, so it took even 12 more years yeah. after his death to undo what sort of crap he threw. Him and other dudes, but still, it's like, you had a... <laughs> no, this one guy. <laughs> just this one dude. It's the, suppressed he's women's the worst right. guy in all of London, or wherever England is. <laughs> but he had an opportunity in 1897 to do something cool, yeah. and then 51 years <clears throat> later... Women finally got to get degrees from yeah, because because the their workaround on that though was like it okay we're not gonna give women degrees we'll give them certificates yeah so they like sort of got to go but like, yeah like we'll allow them to come and give us money and you know we'll <laughs> educate them and I'm doing air quotes hard um, but we're we're not going to actually like raise them up to the same standards and levels of men because. Yeah. Obviously. Obviously. They're women. They're the fairer sex. So I'm just picturing all these like early nineteen hundreds Cambridge graduates women going to apply for jobs and they've got like a certificate and the dude next to them has a degree and right. they're just like nope. it's the same damn thing you learn the same damn thing and you are the same in fact the woman probably is better at whatever you are and and you're she got a certificate and you got a, a degree and i like that it really chaffs me. Yeah, I'm trying to. Just, I'm trying to pick a, a very English word to say. I'm very nibbled right now. <laughs> was that a good word? <laughs> yeah. All right. It was a bad move on James's part. It's it's the type of word I like to use in public very often. No, you shouldn't. Yeah. You don't think I should use the word nibbled no. a lot? I wouldn't. <laughs> Now, yeah. now I want a shirt that just says that. I'm very nibbled. nibbled. <laughs> Tylerisms. <laughs> um, are you going to get into some of the other things that he he had a problem with, like reading and books? <laughs> like reading and books? No, you that's not that on one. the list. No, I just didn't want to jump ahead. I have if that you had he it. didn't look or he didn't like anyone. Basically, he didn't like any other authors or any other scientists. Yeah. He hated everybody. Like. Nobody was good enough for him. Yeah. But yeah, what what was his beef with books? He he was genuinely afraid of... And we're going to talk a little bit about some of his stories. Just a little bit, I guess. Um, but he genuinely did not like books. I'm making a weird face here because that doesn't it, make any goddamn sense. It does sense. not compute. He is an author. He writes books. He is a Christian 
he loves the Bible. But what doesn't he like? Education and books. Because books can... It, if you don't read the right books, they'll destroy your, your soul. Like, if you get the wrong kind of education, you'll ruin your mind. That That's insane to me. Like, I get it. There's, there's certain things where it's like, and, I, and like C.S. Lewis talked about this, like you can go down a pathway and if you don't start in the right place, then you will screw yourself up. You cannot continue to do an equation the wrong way and get the right number, get the right sum. You have to stop, go back to where you made your mistake and then do it correctly from that point forward. Continuing to add two plus two does not make one. Mm-hmm. You've already messed up right so um i i think that there is some wisdom in like understanding what you're learning and 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 having a wisdom and discernment that goes into what you're reading and these are all very christian words to say but it's the only words i can think of like discernment is a real thing understanding and 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 knowing but reading in of itself is not evil and he makes it sound and in what he writes he makes it sound like learning too much is an evil thing. Yeah. Which is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. And I think it's why he didn't, he wasn't an advocate for women at that time because they wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. They wanted to understand what men were talking about and doing. And he saw, oh, the more that they learn and do, the less work. Basically, what we get now with like illegal immigrants, they're gonna take our jobs. <laughs> like, I think that he was genuinely afraid of women taking men's jobs because there are things that women do way better than dudes, and and so he like he has this reconciliation between the go- the two and goes, "Yep, end of the day, reading too much, it's evil." I think those beliefs still exist today, too. Like, to a lesser degree, there are always those people who are like, oh, you shouldn't read chiclet or something because it'll rot your brain. Or you shouldn't read certain types of novels or fiction because it's not good for you or whatever. Right. Which is always so annoying. I agree. (laughs) Um, But don't read Twilight. (laughs) Read Twilight (laughs) if it makes you happy. Just understand that Edward's a creep. That's that's all I have to say there. I think that community had have you ever watched the tv show community i haven't i know you've sent me clips from it before i, I yeah. send you clips of things all the time yeah. in fact our our instagram i posted the other day was of glee ca- glee well it was from community making fun making of, fun like, of glee because it like said glee on there somewhere and i'm like i don't think this was on glee <laughs> yeah no it's uh number one the greatest uh christmas episode of any tv show of all time like you don't even have to watch Community if you just watch season three Christmas episode. It is legitimately... Wait, is it season three or season two? Oh, now no. I have to look it up. <gasps> oh, no. It's the one where they... It's the Glee episode. That's all you have to know. And it's legitimately the greatest episode. And I'll mostly, add it to the lineup mostly in because of, of, of Tyrion... Tyrion... Killam? Can't remember his name now. The, He's definitely going to be right in. If he listens to our show, I've won at life. I'm good. Um, they, I've gotten so off track. You have. Why are we talking about Instagram, Glee, community? 
Something about reading books. Reading the bo- wrong no. kind of books. Oh, you brought up Twilight and, and Community. You were the, the one greatest... who brought up Twilight. <laughs> no, you talked about it more, though. Yeah, you're right. I brought it up. I just wanted to get here with the episode. Community, he he has the greatest summation of Twilight ever, which is that um, men crave young women's flesh. Ew. <laughs> That's all that it, those books resound to is just that one sentence. But regardless of that, the moral of the story is there's no such thing as too much reading or yes. the wrong kind of reading. Agreed. Agreed. Even if it's Twilight. Even if it's Twilight. Could you imagine if M.R. James lived in a world where Twilight ex- existed at the same time? He would lose his shit. <laughs> he, I don't know how he could live in like modern times. I think he would legitimately just die. He would, yeah. Yeah. He would like shrivel up like a vampire when they're exposed to the sun. How does this, how does this exist? No. <laughs> That's how he talked. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Women in my school. <laughs> he probably did sound like a horse. That's why he became a writer and not a reader. <laughs> <laughs> he had a terrible. No, he did read out loud though. But we're not there yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Continue. Uh, is there Sorry anything else for... that he hates that we need to talk about? No, that was the big one of like when I obviously I hated the fact that he hated women, but like also the fact that he hated books and education. Yeah. Yeah, those are our favorite things. Books and education and women. Books and and education and women. 100%. Those are my top three things. Books, education, and women. Not in that order, necessarily. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Any order. My wife is going to be like, women? Women. Well, how man. Woman. Woman. Obviously, I would be like, no, babe, only you. (laughs) Only you. Obviously. (laughs) So, in terms of things he did like... Hannah got to learn some new words today. Oh, yeah. Um, So his interests apparently tended toward apocrypha. Yeah. I had to look up how to pronounce these things, too. Yeah. Do you want to say what these are? Do you want me to show you how smart I am? You can uh, chime in after I say the actual definition (laughs) is religious works usually written uh, of unknown authorship or of doubtful origin. So, Tyler, religious scholar, what does that mean? (laughs) First of all, let's please not put that title on me. Um, because I was joking about being smart. Um, <laughs> Apocrypha, yeah, like it's it's these. There's lots of biblical. Okay, let me back up because I am not a biblical scholar and I only have a faint <laughs> idea of these things, right? So if you're a biblical scholar and you're like Tyler, you son of a bitch, that is wrong. <laughs> I am sorry. I'm very sorry. From my understanding. Um, <clears throat> Apocrypha, yeah, is basically books that are uh, basically aligned with the Bible written at the same time as other books of the Bible or um, are are added to or taken away from the Bible in a lot of ways. Um, the Catholic Bible has a lot of Apocrypha books that are from the Old Testament that um, Protestant Bibles don't have. Um, I could not name them off for you, but there are at least two or three that I know of that have certain stories that are are pretty big um within those um i don't know what they are because i wasn't raised catholic i was i was a protestant um so there's there's that and then there's a lot of the uncanoned uh gospels uh the gospel of mary the gospel of judas the gospel of um 
Thomas. Um, these are books that we have found throughout history, especially when they found the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls. And they found a lot of different manuscripts, or not manuscripts, because if we found actual manuscripts, the world would lose their fucking mind. <laughs> um, like reprinted or rewritten um, copies of manuscripts that were outside of the canon of the, the Gospels and the Bible. And um, so it's really interesting to, go, to get into because you, you grow up reading the Bible, just the Bible. And this is the only version of Jesus that you see. But there's other versions. There's other stories. Um, and I actually had this conversation with someone the other day where they're like, there's all these other things about Jesus that we didn't know. And it's like, look, it's when you're looking at the Bible, you you don't necessarily go, okay, you have four gospels that they wrote and those are the ones that they they wanted to the propagate necessarily what they it'd be the same as someone nowadays literally as far as timeline goes someone nowadays who's like okay i'm gonna write a book about babe ruth so i'm gonna go and and talk to the people who knew babe ruth because there are still a few that have met him and knew him and and stuff like that and i'm gonna get all these stories and then they're gonna basically do what you do for a living almost of like a, a journalist putting these stories together and going, which ones line up, mm-hmm. which ones make sense and continue to really show who we know Babe Ruth was a hundred years ago. So th- the Bible, it's not that they were like, we need four books that show Jesus. They went, these are the only four books that really show who Jesus really was. This is of course, if you're trusting that, that the Bible, scholars are telling the truth and that, you know, the, the, summit of whatever it was called really wasn't just people trying to propagate their own um religion and and interest yeah so that's that's how you get four gospels but that doesn't mean there's only four gospels there are a ton of books that could have been included in the bible we just have the bible because that's what they regarded as the truth at that time Okay, um, so all those other things then are what mr james was really interested in there yeah like there's i think a I could be wrong again. I think that's around the time that a lot of this Dead Sea Scroll stuff was coming out. A lot of, um, I mean, you had, what was it, in the 1700s when the Bible was first, trans- no, that was the 1500s, when the fir- yeah, Bible was, was first translated. So, like, you, you, at this point, reading the Bible in English is still newish, especially when you have different translations outside of King James. <clears throat> you had the... Um, American, you know, new living translation, all kinds of different stuff that was happening at the time as technology progressed, as new information came out and and archaeological digs would come up with new stuff. Um, 1800s was was a really big deal in religion, I think. But I feel like it was like Apocrypha wasn't really respected that much as a study back then because the biography made mention um, of that, like, people kind of criticized him for focusing on forgotten subjects and stuff like that. And he kind of acknowledged it. And in 1883, one of his early papers at Cambridge was titled useless knowledge. Exactly. They said that he was, he was the most knowledgeable on things that nobody needed to know. Yeah. Right. And, and that, 
because they we already have the Bible. We don't need more information that wasn't as true as the Bible. And I'm looking at this purely from an 1800s, early 1900s biblical the criticism. Yeah, okay. criticism. Yeah. Like these are people who you know it's they're very religious and they're like, look, the Bible is the only source of truth. It's the only thing that we need. So looking at books that were already discarded because they're not as true is pointless. But that's exactly the point of Mr. James is he doesn't want to find new information he just wants to keep recultivating old information because he's afraid of education yeah he hates science he doesn't like evolution or any of that yeah. stuff so yeah. he's just focused on anything from the past he's so anti-progressive that the only way he'll educate himself is if he's educating himself with things that he already technically knew mm-hmm. it just it further ingrains him in what he already knew yep that's so dumb it's so dumb, right? Like, uh, I don't know. I get so upset when, when people are so narrow-minded and they're so, like, tunnel-visioned in their own way of life that they're, they they won't allow reading even to open them up. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm getting ready to read a, a, a book that I would have never read. And this is a, a slight, slight little... Slight preview. Uh, you know, uh, foreshadowing to a new... Uh, episode, but like this book that I've, I would, I literally have looked at and been like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need to read that, but I'm going to read it. And after hearing a couple of people telling me about it, I'm like, damn, this sounds real cool. Even, uh, my co-host on another show, Tyler Frankie, he wrote a book. I'm looking at it right now, reoriented. And it, it was a huge change on how I saw uh, gay culture and gay people and, and under- reconciling gays with Christianity. Like, it was huge for me. And it was because I read and I was willing to allow myself to open up to the world a little bit more. Amazing how that happens. It's crazy Amazing. how when you read other people's points of view, you start to <laughs> like people more. Groundbreaking stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so uh so yeah, MR James didn't like that kind of stuff. Uh one of the other topics he did like though, eschatological <laughs> studies. Those are ones dealing with death, judgment and the final destination of the soul and humankind. Church dude Tyler. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Church dude Tyler. In high school people called me Ty Ty the Bible guy. Ty Ty Oh my god, I'm going to use this so often. <laughs> I don't even know if the guy that called me that listens to our show, but if he does, I still remember it. <laughs> and he's still mad. <laughs> I'm not mad. I was Ty Ty the Bible guy. Ty-Ty. Definitely in high school, I was. I was the leader of City Christ in today's youth. Oh my god! I don't know if Tyler and I would have been friends in high school. I was friends. No, we totally would have been yeah. friends. <laughs> the thing is, you have to understand. Like, I'm. I've talked about this before. I'm pretty open about it. I'm a Christian, right? What? But I'm not. I'm not an Mr. James Christian. No, I'm pointing at your laptop like no, that's Mr. James. <laughs> I'm not one I'm of those. I'm worried about my laptop. Laptop Christians. No, um, I am. I'm really open about my faith, but in that, like, I'm. I love people so much, and I love education. Like, I, I get angry about Mr. James because he's the type of person that I could very easily have been, right? very close-minded, very shut off to the world and how reality really is, and and just lived in my own little attic of a world. Um, 
instead, I, especially in high school, I learned like, wow, I really like talking to people. I really like learning people's points of views. And the weirder they are, because I'm a weird guy, the weirder they are, the cooler they are to me. And so like, I would constantly talk to the weird people. (laughs) Not that I was like, oh, you're weird and you're not weird. I shouldn't be a judge of that. But I don't know. I, I love, 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 love people and just having the coolest conversations with and seeing people from their points of view. So Ty Ty, the Bible guy says, um, what's the word again? Because I cannot pronounce Eschatological. it. Eschatological. I actually Eschatological. had to click the little microphone thing next to Google. Very, Translate. very revelationsy sort of stuff. Um, the book of Daniel deals with eschat- eschatologic. Oh, son of a bitch. I'm not going to. Eschatology. Even yeah. Um, and there's, there's, I mean, even Lewis talks about it. I mean, the, yeah. the book, The Great Divorce is all about that. And that's probably one of my, genuinely one of my favorite books of all time. It's short. That's why it's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> it's super short. Um, but it just, it, it's, to me, that stuff is interesting because it gets into a metaphysical sort of thing. And it's, it's not so much that I want to come up with the, um, theological answers and formulas to it. It's more the ability to ask a question and work through that question to affect my life. And when I read the books of like Revelation, where they're like, and on the third day, the beast shall come up from the depths, depths and the woman shall go down into his throat and expand until she becomes as big as the world. I don't know. I'm making things up. But this is apocryphal i i don't know <laughs> uh, but they like i read those things and i look at how they affect our life now and and the metaphors that they are for us not that everything in the bible is a metaphor to me but that is something that i look at in and in, in that sort of lens and i think that people get so caught up especially like what was it like early 2000s there was the um the uh left behind series Oh, yeah. People went nuts for that end of the world shit. And then like 2000 and then like 9-11 happened and people were like, this is the sign of the end times. And then like, and I got caught up in it because I was in middle school at that point. So I was like, yeah, end times, baby. I love it. It's going to be Mad Max soon, but for Christians. And then like, and then nothing happened because it's never going to happen and we can just live our life and, and have a good time. But guys like Mr. James want it to happen because then we don't have to progress. Yeah. Notice how interesting that is for him. That he, if he gets really into end times and the way that we're all gonna just die, and and then we don't need to worry about women's rights because <laughs> they don't need rights. We're all just gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> this episode has taken so many turns. Like a couple minutes ago, you were talking about how you love everybody, and now it's like we're all gonna die. <laughs> MR James <laughs> things are gonna die. I, it's just been a I mean, roller coaster. We are all gonna die. All End gonna of the die. day, you can't help but be slightly but. nihilistic when it comes to life and death. <laughs> but yeah, so he's got you know these two big areas that influence him uh, that we don't love so much, but they are huge influences on the work that he did, the ghost stories that he wrote. Yeah, uh, end times like. Themes of supernatural retribution and judgment occur all over the place yeah. in his stories. Um, and in the bio- bi- biography that I read, um, the author argues that the 
the real like art of his stories is that they use exclusion. He said, quote, they are straight and narrow, austere and limited. And it is precisely this lack of expansiveness that makes him a great short story writer and the very greatest ghost story writer. Yeah. Um, and he said also that the ghost story tends to be highly conventional, formalized, conservative, governed by strict generic codes. Um and they reflect and articulate an ingrained social conservatism. So all yeah. of these things, he argues, makes James perfect at writing yeah. ghost stories. Because he is all about redoing the same thing over and mm-hmm. over and over until it's perfect. And then once he's perfected it, he keeps doing it because he doesn't need to change anything. Yeah. It's like watching my little brother play um, video games where he can create characters. That's all he does. He doesn't play the games. Oh, he, he just, just creates characters over and over. Even my wife does it. She plays That's like fun. like Dragon Age or Skyrim or Fallout, which I play all these games too. But I I get bored of them because it's like, oh, I played the story 10 times. I know everything you can do. And she's like, but I'm going to make a new character <laughs> and it's going to be this type and this type. And I'm like, ah. it's still the same story, it's, babe. <laughs> but it, And then she doesn't even play the story. She just makes a new character and then she gets bored and then she makes a new character. And so it's like, she's really good at that. And then where does it go? Then she's like, I can't wait for the next one to come out. And I'm like, why? Because you get better character creation. <laughs> but James's characters are often very similar. Um, yeah. Basically, the formula is a bachelor Don, which I guess is some wise dude, or antiquarian scholar mm-hmm. discovers a lost manuscript or some sort of artifact, which then unleashes supernatural forces. Yeah. So he's got he's got his formula down. Sure. And they're dudes like him, like super oh, educated 100%. dudes yeah. who um, have left the the safety of their college or other institution. Yeah. Um, the biographer pointed out that there are hotels and inns that are often involved, take which he interpreted as taking the protagonist out of the safety mm. of colleges, of his, of his home, of and, universities. And, yeah. 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 Which I thought was interesting. And then he also said something about how, like, inns and hotels often have, like, women there, which would have been, like, totally dangerous for M.R. James. Yeah, why would you want to be around women? (laughs) They're the worst. To be insane. Did he ever marry? No. Did he ever have even a relationship at all? I saw no evidence of it anyway. Do we want to get into that right now? Let's just skip ahead to sexuality, bros. (laughs) 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 Brittany's so sad that she's leaving right now. (laughs) Brittany, why? This is the best part. Uh, It's okay. You can listen when it comes out. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, so the author of this collection argues that Uh, The lifelong appeal of universities and institutions for James was that they provided the security of an all-male environment. He did not like women, as we've established. Sure. He had no romantic relationships with them, as far as we can tell. Um, But one biographer, Michael Cox, warns against psychocritical speculation Mm. or talking about James being a repressed homosexual. Right. So... This dude thinks that uh, there's just complex cultural and personal factors behind his resistance to marriage. Tyler, what do you think? Well, I mean, you can't just say because someone didn't have a relationship with women or the, and that he hated women and that he almost exclusively wrote about men and being, you know, in a manly relationship with men and that he 
often had young boys living with men in his stories just because of all of that evidence you can't say that he was homosexual i feel like the tone in which you said that you're saying that he is i don't i feel like he could just be asexual or whatever like so we're kind of pulling a lovecraft on him yeah maybe why is it that we we ought just we this is a real question i don't have a point with it but like if some can someone live their life who is who has normal sexual tendencies but it's not as important to them so they don't act on them as much or at all probably i mean there's plenty of people so does that because that's not asexual asexual would be no normal and i say normal again like obviously we're in an no age attraction where, to yeah, anyone we're in an age where sexuality is very up up in the world or up in the air and so i'm not saying normal you have to fit into a certain thing i'm just saying like to me to you to the world that we have known normal is you are attracted to someone someone right asexuality would not be the norm okay i just i just wanted to point that out so i don't have people be like (laughs) how dare you say that asexuals aren't normal like you can be normal that's not what i'm saying so why do we automatically go from he doesn't he didn't like women. He doesn't want to have a relationship with women. He must be asexual or homosexual. Yeah. I mean, I see your point. Maybe he was attracted to women and just maybe didn't he's just care. afraid of them. <laughs> yeah, or maybe that's why he hates them. He's so just much. living in a culture where like he I don't even know because his his love for academia was so antiquated that it doesn't it's not even a form of progression. <laughs> You know, like I need, to, I can't have a relationship. I'm so focused on the progress of education, on my own understanding of this and that. But he did have like friend relationships. Like in in this uh, biography, he said that he was super close with um, James McBride, who started out as a like student at Cambridge when he was a teacher. Um, and they became great friends. They went on holidays together. Yeah. Um, when McBride died from complications with like a, a appendix surgery or something, um, James stayed really good friends with uh, McBride's wife, oh, okay. which was like his only female friendship his entire life. Sure. So, I mean, they were really good friends. So he's capable of having relations. And he has, you know, other friends and colleagues that he's close-ish with at Cambridge. Sure. So he's capable of having a relationship. He just doesn't have like a romantic one. Yeah. Ever. And I think there is uh, a certain sense when it comes to like churches and um, trying to be, have a certain sense of propriety, which is a big deal back in, in, you know, early 1900s, late 1800s, having a certain sense of propriety in the workspace or in life in general. And where he, he's like, look, I, I can't have, I can't, we can't have women learning here because they're a distraction for dudes and we need to learn but then again like he didn't care he didn't like education so why is it so important to him i just i don't understand him at all either like education or women those are your two choices <laughs> tyler i think you're being very narrow-minded here yes it yeah. is possible to hate everything <laughs> i do it daily this like, is why i don't like him he doesn't like women books or education he hates everything but yeah, I don't know, man. I really don't, cause I don't, I don't want to just keep being like, oh, he didn't like girls, gay, <laughs> or he didn't have any girlfriends, asexual. 
Like there was a lot of evidence with H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, he had that there like, was teenage a ton boyfriend. Of evidence. He spent weeks with a teenage boy. The 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 boy convinced his parents to let him live with Lovecraft for weeks. I'm always dumbfounded by that. I'm like, my parents won't even like let me stay out past ten without texting me to ask where I am. Right? Like, what? He he went he went on a trip all the way to Florida after talking to this kid for months, and then showed up at the at the train station, and that's when he found out the kid was fourteen. Um, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> no. We're that's like catfishing. We got MR onto HB Lovecraft because of sexuality for MR James. But I think the consensus is we don't necessarily think that MR James was gay or asexual or anything no, other than I'm, just uninterested in pursuing a romantic relationship with anyone of any gender. Exactly. Perfect. Which is not a great loss for anybody, honestly. Like, I think I'm not sure there were women beating down his door, like <laughs> trying to get to him, unless it was like with pitchforks. Ooh, yeah, they were, they were, they had other things to do. <laughs> they did, like gain equality. <laughs> the real battle, but yeah. So, um, do we want to talk then about what he's most known for, which is kind of let's, his Christmas Eve scary stories? Let's talk about it. That's why I brought it up. It's why we're doing this for this episode. Um, our only episode in December. Yes. Um, there's a little surprise for later. But, we'll get there. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's talk about the man who basically made famous ghost stories on Christmas. Yeah. So it's it's a tradition that goes way back. He didn't technically invent it. It's old enough for Shakespeare to have referenced it at yeah. times. Um, but many consider M.R. James to kind of be the one to have mastered the Christmas ghost story. Yeah. So imagine, if you will, King College on Christmas Eve. The famous choir would sing in the chapel. <sighs> just like that, yeah, actually. I'm adding ambiance. Uh, the fellows and scholars would th- then go eat dinner and drink tankards of hot spiced beer. Chum, how's it going? Pretty <laughs> good, how are you? Pretty good. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas to you, Freddie. <laughs> Freddie. <laughs> and then at the end of the night, a select few of his friends, colleagues, and former students would get invited back to his his rooms because the provost at these schools always have rooms. I don't. I really missed out on a lot by not going to school in England. I feel yeah, they like have such a cool hierarchy of we, things, right? I never. Actually, that was going to sound really bad. I was going to say none of my professors ever invited me back to their rooms. Yep, that was going to sound very bad. <laughs> I'm so glad I just didn't say it. But no, so at the end of the night, they all go back to the provost rooms. They light candles. James disappears and comes back with a manuscript of whatever Christmas story. Well, not Christmas, ghost story he ghost wrote story, that yeah. year. Because yeah. the the thing is, they're not really about Christmas. Not None of the ones that I have read have featured Christmas at all. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. They're ghost stories. They are they're ghost horrifying. stories <laughs> that are just the tradition is to do ghost stories on Christmas. So do you know why that's like a cool tradition? Nah, <laughs> like, I know I, that it is a tradition. I, I don't know why. <laughs> The the amount of research that I put into it was enough to find out who M.R. James is. So, <laughs> so that's that. how we got here. Yeah. I did not do any more information searching on... I, I 100% expected you to do it. Uh, I, I only found out that it is a tradition. I don't know why people are like, hey, it's the birth of Jesus Christ. Let's read a scary story. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe we'll have to look into that and maybe explain it later because that that is interesting to me now that i think about it where did that if you're a listener and you want to 
tell us all about where the tradition came <laughs> from. Oh, that reminds me. I need to look up something. Uh, continue. Okay. Well, they're not like Charles Dickens' like ghost stories at all. Because his the ghosts in Dickens' tales are normally like sort of benevolent. They're there to like share a moral or learn something, help sure. the reader learn something. M.R. James's ghosts are just like straight up beasts. Well, that's not always true. There are there are ghosts. I, I've read I read a couple of them, and one that I'm going to talk about specifically because I, I think it's probably one of his best ones in my head, and it also shows a lot of his opinions. Ooh, yeah. Um, so, do you want to talk about that one? Because I'm interested to know which one you think is the best one. I've only read like four I don't know of if them, it's maybe the best one because I haven't read all of them. Right? Yeah. Um, but I definitely think it's one of the best. Um, it's the uh, the Lost Hearts. Oh, really? Yeah. That's I thought that was good. And those ghosts are there for the moral of the story. Okay. Should I explain that one? You should explain that one. Okay. So, um, and I think that... Uh, sorry. Um, I almost gave away our surprise. But um, <laughs> basically, the, um, the, the basics are... A young boy goes to live with his uncle, who who owns a big house, and the uncle is uh, kind of a kind of a hermit. Um, and when he gets there, he is kind of everything's chill. But then he he goes into the bathroom one night and sees a girl in the bathtub, like totally like bloodied and everything. And it's like, oh god, what happened? And her chest is open. It's like ah. <laughs> and then like another night, um, they hear all the scratching down in the basement and everybody thinks it's rats but it's not rats and then like his sheets get all like all like carved up like somebody with really long nails like scratched his sheets and then um after like a few months of living with his uncle his uncle's like hey uh we're gonna talk about some stuff tonight why don't you come to my room but don't don't tell anyone you're gonna come to my room (laughs) uh which is like Okay, red flag. What's happening here? Um, so he he's like getting ready to go to his uncle's room at 11 p.m. without telling anybody. And he looks out the window and he sees the, this boy and this girl holding hands and they're super creepy. And one has like really long nails and the other one's all bloody and just like, what? Uh, and then he's like, whatever, it's not a big deal. So I'm going to keep going to my uncle's room. And as he goes to his uncle's room, he hears like this clatter. And then I think he hears like a scream or something. He's like, oh no, what's going on in there? And then he goes in and his uncle's chest was ripped open and he was dead. And, um, bunch of slashes and like everyone who looks at it at it was like oh a a, like a wild cat got in there and killed him and left no other evidence and then he and then he like looks at his uncle's books and the uncle had found an old tomb that had ancient um knowledge of how to make yourself live forever and to do that you had to kill three young young people and eat their hearts or some stuff and so he he was gonna, he be, was the gonna third. be the third and the other two ghosts were there to to keep him alive so i yeah that's the whole thing okay i i i'm sorry i mischaracterized those two child ghosts they yeah. were they were nice they were ghosts of christmas past well they were ghosts <gasps> of redemption too yeah they, they delivered a swift and violent retribution Yes, yeah. they absolutely They did. literally ate his heart out. <laughs> um, 
I think my favorite of the ones that I've read so far was um, actually the one you put in the drive, Oh Whistle and I'll Come to You, My Lad. I thought that one was delightful. Yeah. But also creepy. <laughs> and I think I was doing that to check for um, um, word counts. Oh, really? Stuff. Yeah. Uh, again, a little... A little, um, <laughs> a little foreshadowing yeah. to our future, um, to our little surprise. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I think that he, he played a lot into the understanding of ghost stories just in general, but then it, the fact that it was his tradition to do it at Christmas is really what made it interesting because we can get ghost stories all the time. Why did he decide to do it on, on Christmas? That's that's kind of the, it's a question that you were asking earlier. So, well, yeah, and I mean, he like I said before, he didn't start it, but he really made it like a thing in the culture, and I just think that I I think that would be really weird as like one of his guests or something. It's like, oh, why are we coming to sit around a fire and listen to scary stories? But I don't know. I could see me getting into it. Maybe we should try that this Christmas. Try to make our family sit down and listen <coughs> to modern ghost stories. Yeah, or that unmod- sounds like a great idea. I agree with that. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I think that it. I think it has something to do with the same reason why we put lights up for Christmas. I'm I'm not even joking. Um, the the same reason why we put lights on Christmas trees. Um, it's about connecting the the light and the darkness with with the world around us. We do that. We do it at a time when when it is the darkest outside when it gets dark at four fucking eight like p.m and i'm driving home and the sun is in my eyes and i'm like what the hell it's four o'clock and by the time i get home it's gonna be dark and i'm like great i went to work in the dark and now i'm coming home in the dark and i don't actually get to enjoy the daylight this is stupid never mind that's tangent the point is we're 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 accessing the world around us and we're acknowledging the darkness around us the cold the the scary and it's about understanding the good through that we he tells these ghost stories when he's surrounded by other people when you have a hearth to keep you warm when you're with friends and family to conversate about it to talk and work through the scariness of it and to maybe joke around about it and lighten the mood it's amazing to me whenever you know i would do ghost stories around a campfire that was the most fun that i would have at a at a camp whatever and and so like sharing in the experience of being scared and and confronting the darkness is a fun thing that I think humans have evolved into because we had to confront the darkness to hunt. We had to confront the darkness to survive. And now what do we do in the darkness? We mostly sit around and eat popcorn. And so how do we how do we stir those feelings that we've evolved to have? It let's scare ourselves. Let's give ourselves something of the unknown, the darkness, the ghosts. So that's my my dissertation on why ghost stories are popular and i think that's why i think that's why halloween is so popular for me at least why i love it so much because it's the beginning process it's that acknowledgement of like okay it starts getting darker now Mm -hmm. and the world is going to be dark for the next five months right five six months maybe and and there's a certain fun about that and halloween is like that gateway for me 
to really acknowledge and love the darkness for the next few months. So That was beautiful. I feel like every episode I do you this. You do some long tangent that's like <laughs> very deep and insightful. And then I follow it up with, yeah, they told Christmas yeah, story or ghost idea. stories at Christmas because ghost Good stories job. are fun. Good job. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And none of that's scripted. No, like, none of it I is. I don't think about this I until I'm sitting I need Tyler here. does it. He just spouts off and somehow it works. Yeah. Mostly <laughs> I just talk until you tell me to shut up. <laughs> I figure I talk long enough, something important will come out. <laughs> That's a good strategy. Yeah. Good, good work. <laughs> but yeah, so I think uh, we're coming up on the close here. Um, yeah. One thing that I wanted to talk about was, did he actually believe in ghosts? Yeah, this seemed really important to you. You were like I, really pushing for this before we started recording. Because it's like he spent all of this time writing stories about supernatural stuff. Uh-huh. And then when it comes down to it, toward the end of his life, in the preface to his collected ghost stories, he wrote... Quote, do I believe in ghosts? To which I answer that I am prepared to consider evidence and accept it if it satisfies me. Like, what kind of freaking non-answer is that? It's, it's exactly what it is. It's, it's a, a non-answer. non-answer. He, like, can't commit. He basically is literally saying, he didn't even say he would believe in ghosts. All he said is, I would be willing to accept evidence that there's ghosts. Yeah. What? Okay, yeah, of course you would, because it's evidence. It's ev- well, I mean, there's all oh, sorts of evidence he doesn't. Oh, thanks for being commonsensical, you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, even after saying all of that, he doesn't appear to have made any effort within his life to actually find evidence. Yeah. Like, he's just like, if someone literally shoves evidence into my face, maybe I'll consider it. Right. It's all on you to prove to me that they're ghosts. I'm just going to write about them and make lots of money off of it. Do you think he had any, like, deeper motivation for not wanting to find out if it's true? Like, would that have rocked his world if he was like, oh, my God, there are ghosts? So, I think... I don't know when when I was reading through uh, the collected ghost stories um, or the the introduction of of that they were they were talking about how a lot of other ghost writers and and ghosts in people's stories represented things and um, like the past creeping back in or the fact that we do need to progress and be in in a new place and very political or moral you know objects were were these ghosts but for him it wasn't the same it was a tool to tell a story like they didn't they don't think that he used them to tell a moral story in that the ghosts themselves were something to i don't know i don't know how to describe it the in with other writers the ghost represented something Mm -hmm. in his writing the ghost didn't represent anything they were a tool for something else yeah a tool to like explore retribution and vengeance and that kind of stuff yeah exactly so um i don't know i i don't i don't think that he cared because the ghost wasn't the important part of his story that just seem that blows my mind. I'm like, how could you write so much about something and not like, not invest in every single aspect of, uh, of ghost? You but could, I'm not you could write James. fantasy stories and never pick up a sword, right? You can you can write sci-fi and never be in a spaceship. These are just objects in the story that you use to propel the story, right? So. That's how I think he saw ghosts. I think he saw ghost stories as 
a way to tell a moral story, but the ghosts themselves were just objects in that story. That's what I get from it, at least. Yeah. Um, there could be more to it. <laughs> I don't think he cares. <laughs> End of the day. He's just writing what he knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, and after all of that, he died in his sleep. <laughs> yeah. On June 12th, 1936. He lived yeah. a long time. Yeah. He was like 80 something. Yeah. Did I do my math, math wrong? 74. No, I don't math well. 74, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yell at me in the comments if I did girl math. <laughs> no! He was 83 and a half! You fool! <laughs> he was old for the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, uh, like we said, he didn't invent the ghost stories. He didn't invent the ghost stories at Christmas. I think he just, with the way that his brain worked, he was about rehashing the same thing over and over and over again until he perfected it. And with short stories you can get really formulaic and the fact that he did it every christmas he got really good and it and i mean if you're listening to a new story every christmas and it becomes a tradition that's cool yeah like you're not looking for the like oh it's gotta be the big twist that i didn't see coming it's just like yeah this <laughs> is what, what we I'm do at christmas <laughs> is yeah i know nowadays we're like i was reading a sherlock holmes story and i was like I think it was Hounds of Baskerville and I'm reading it and I'm like, oh, I wonder what the big twist is going to be, you know, because I'm, I've watched, you know, Sherlock, I've watched the, the uh, Robert Downey Jr. ones and um, the big twist What's the big twist. And it was like a medium sized twist at best. And I'm like, huh, I think that our culture is so oversaturated with stories that it's hard for us to read older stories and really see how big they were at that time mm -hmm. because we're used to like the avengers <laughs> yeah or the sixth sense could you imagine someone from the 18th century watching well first of all watching a movie but watching the sixth sense like and their brain literally Explodes. would explode from, they're just so overstimulated by everything yeah, like what is happening <laughs> no that would that would be a fun experiment yeah <laughs> but no, i totally agree like i will freely admit that i don't really like old books or like old authors like i all of my favorite authors are still alive and still creating yeah <laughs> um but it's definitely interesting to go back and try to read those older works and be like even if you feel like you have to sludge through them like yeah. it's they're still important and yeah. obviously they shaped where we are now absolutely yeah. Okay, so we're going to get out of here and, uh, and uh, you know, not talk about anything. Is that what a car? Is, That's a car. Someone's car yeah. sounds really bad. <laughs> they should get it's, that checked it's out. My, it's not yours. It's my driver. He's getting the car ready. You know, <laughs> I got to, I text him and had him get it started. No, um, we're not going to talk about anything else, right? Nothing else is happening. We're just going to say goodbye and, and end the show, right? Um, I think people would be a little mad if we didn't tell them the thing that you've been alluding this to this time. entire episode yes so um we are doing 12 days of christmas what? and before everybody jumps down my throat about the re the real 12 days of christmas that start on christmas day and go until january 7th or 8th or whatever yes i understand <laughs> those are the actual 12 days of christmas back in your Yold days. Old, <laughs> olden days. Yuletide olden days. I know. 
but we're doing the ABC Family Disney style of 12 Days of Christmas, <laughs> where you lead up to Christmas with a thing that you're doing. And that thing that we're doing is ghost stories. Woohoo! Specifically, M.R. James ghost stories. M.R. James Even ghost though stories. we hate him as a person. He did still write good <laughs> ghost stories. So that's the thing. Like, there's there's a certain bit of, of reconciliation that you have to have of like, look, people can be terrible people, but they can still produce really cool things. Just look at H.P. Lovecraft. H.P. Lovecraft. I mean... Everyone go back and listen to that episode. You sent me that thing just <laughs> the other day of like... Oh. Like people who who like H.P. Lovecraft laughing and then like some serious face people who know what he named his cat. <laughs> and then when I went to that post, the first thing is someone defending H.P. Like, Lovecraft. But the time. It's the times. They didn't. And it's like, oh, get over yourself, man. Stop. You don't need to justify someone's life. <laughs> You're going to say and he thoughts. was not nice. Yeah. You don't need to justify those things to enjoy someone's work. Someone's work does not define who they are. And they don't necessarily define their work end of day. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, and after our full hour long bash (laughs) on MR James, I think it'd be really fun. I think it will be really fun to have ghost stories for Christmas because I do enjoy those. And so as you were saying earlier, try to get people around to (laughs) enjoy these stories. We're going to release one story every day, all the way um, starting on the 12th yes on the 12th on friday the 12th or thursday the 12th um and then it'll go our last one will come out on christmas eve so you can listen to them as they come out every day or maybe save them up binge listen binge listen all day on christmas eve or on christmas morning whatever you want to do i'm probably going to i mean i'm gonna have to listen to them all (laughs) when i when I record them, we're not the only ones reading them. So you no, we're doing it kind of like the uh, flash fiction thing. We've got some guest readers. We have a in. lot of guest readers. Tyler's uh, been very good about lining those up. I'm trying to, yeah, and I'm trying to get it so that Hannah and I only have to read one story each. Um, so, you know, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> I don't have to read more and do more of my amazing voice reading. It was so, so. great. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So that's but we, what, yeah, we have people who you've heard before. Uh, James is is down to help out with his OPB voice oh, that man, I love so, so much. Good. Uh, Tyler Frankie, I think, is going to return. I'm, I haven't. I probably shouldn't say that because I haven't actually asked him. But he's Tyler you Frankie. Can, he's going to. You have the right to make him do it. <laughs> um, my mom is going to read a story, so that's cool. Um, and then we have uh, a couple of people from. Um, other shows uh the snark tank show that i've guested on they're going to be reading for us so that's super exciting um and then let's see we have uh someone who wrote a flash fiction for our halloween episode he's actually gonna he said that he'd be willing to read for us What? so and he's actually english so oh is it carl yeah it is. thanks carl yeah so <laughs> i love carl <laughs> he's a fun guy so um he just said yes today so i'm excited about that so if it all lines up you guys will get a different reader every single night uh or day whenever you listen to him and you will be able to enjoy you know ghost stories for christmas what so, more could you ask for i'm genuinely excited about this project because i felt bad that we were only doing one episode for christmas or for december but this kind of i don't know makes up for it yeah. really is a fun way of of doing this kind of theme yeah um 
Yeah. So, oh, one more thing about I was reminded by saying another podcast. I need to get the name right from oh, the last yeah. time. So the last episode, I talked about how good um, the uh, best friends play. Best friends. I call them best friends playlist. And that's why I was thinking. I was like, I need to make sure I say this right. I said best friends playlist. It's actually best friends playbook. And it's really good. I just finished listening to their um, Gilmore Girls, Rory and Lane best friendship episode, yeah. and I loved it. And they're doing a bridesmaid episode that might have come out since the last time I talked with them. Um, but yeah, so they have a super cool show, and you yeah. should definitely get. I listened listen. to all three of the Lord of the Rings ones. Of course, you would. Really <laughs> I got to go they back did, and listen to those. Uh, Gimli and uh, Legolas, <laughs> and um, and then they did Merry and Pippin, and then they did um, Frodo and Sam. And it, yeah, it was really good, really good show, guys. I'm I'm really excited about it. So sweet. Uh, so we got to get out of here because yeah. we've been sitting in the book nook in Canby for um, too long. Paul has been patiently putting up with us. Yeah, Amy's not here, so yeah, she has not been interrupting us this time. <laughs> uh, and also, and if you guys want to support us, how can they support us, Tyler? They can listen to our show, but they're probably already doing that if they're hearing this. <laughs> um, and then they can go rate it and review it on iTunes or Podbean or wherever you're getting your podcast. Just talk about us on that site and it'll help us. Um, take two minutes. And one we always minute. read take the reviews and we love them. So. We seriously love them. Yeah. Um, write us a review. It's so good. Um, you can go to our Facebook page. You can talk to us there if you want. Um, but the most important thing that you could possibly do for a podcast a brand new podcast. The very most important thing. Tell someone about it. Anybody, a stranger on the street, Just grab stop. them and right yell now, right in their face. If you're walking down the street, stop. Look at someone in the eyes and say, between Lewis and Lovecraft. Just and then like walk that. away. And then just walk away. But say podcast too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Podcast. <laughs> Between Lewis and Lovecraft podcast. Dot Weebly dot com. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if the police uh, talk to you about it later, don't just don't mention it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, plead the fifth and yeah. give them our website. Yes. <laughs> and then plead the fifth. Cops need to listen to our podcast too. Absolutely. No. Seriously, telling a friend is one hundred percent the best way that you can help a podcast out. Um, so just take take two seconds this week and tell someone about it. And we want to thank our friend for his amazing yeah, music. The We're best just doing guy so great ever. here. The best guy ever, Jake Basson. Good old Jake Basson. Uh, you can find all of his amazing music. He's got all sorts of stuff, not just instrumental. He has like, you know, song songs, yeah, like and he's lyrics in, and everything. He's been in like five different bands and they all do different things. So I'm like constantly like... I'm so excited to see him do something new every few months. He's like trying something out and he does something new. So I just, yeah, I yeah. love his work so much. So you guys should all go listen to it at soundcloud.com slash Jake Basson, B-A-S-S-E-N. Yeah. All right, guys. We hope that you guys have a wonderful and maybe a little creepy Christmas. Christmas. See you later, ghoul gang. See you in 2020. 